Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Hello! Welcome to the Spark Parade. I'm Adam Ons. Thanks for joining me. This week, I had a lovely chat with writer, editor, and content strategist Gina Hamady. She is also soon to be the author of a book about her Thank You Year project in which she wrote a thank you note every day for a year. And we'll be talking more about that during our chat. Gina wanted to talk about a few different artworks that share a common theme, and that theme is babysitting! The bulk of our chat focuses on the Babysitter's Club books by Anne M. Martin, which were a huge phenomenon in the tween-slash-young adult market from the late 80s to the early aughts. We also discussed the Julie Andrews-led film adaptation of Rodgers and Hammerstein's stage musical The Sound of Music! You may have heard of that one. As well as the Elizabeth Shue-led 1987 film Adventures in Babysitting. In summary, enough babysitting content to satisfy even the most voracious of babysitting content consumers. Doesn't that sound like a gigantic amount of fun? If I had to give a measurement to the amount of fun you're about to have, I would say it's a buttload A buttload of fun coming your way shortly. But first, talking about The Babysitter's Club got me thinking a lot about young adult books in general. They are fucking amazing. I was a precocious little shit when I was a kid, so I loved reading adult novels from a young age, but I also really loved reading books that were for and about people my age. Writers like Zilpha Keatley Snyder, And Ellen Raskin really spoke to me because they wrote stories that were full of adventure and mystery. If you've never read The Westing Game by Ellen Raskin, you should, even as an adult. Slight disclaimer, I haven't read it in a very long time, so please don't blame me for anything that's painfully dated or problematic. Thanks! Anyway... The young adult books I read nearly always involved kids my age helping to solve mysteries and fully participating in wild adventures and just generally making grown-up decisions in grown-up situations. Those books increased my interest in and love of reading by bridging the gap between being read to by grown-ups and developing my own literary tastes as a solo reader. 
As I've mentioned innumerable times on this podcast, and I know how much you love it when I repeat myself, so you're welcome. Adolescence is a scary, volatile, emotional mess, but it's also this critical turning point in everyone's life. So the books you read at that age have a tendency to stick with you as an adult. And I may sound like a grumpy old man here, another recurring theme on the Spark Parade, but I don't think you get the same fulfillment from consuming media on a screen. I love film and TV, passionately, but books always allowed me some extra room to interpret the story and the characters in my own way. And there's something about the fact that reading is, for the most part, a solitary experience that always made me feel like I had a private world to escape to that I didn't have to share with anyone. And that experience can be invaluable when your hormones are raging and your body doesn't know if it's coming or going most of the time. So if you're a parent, be mean to your kids about screen time and make them read books. They'll definitely hate you for it now, but they'll, hopefully, thank you for it later. All right, I believe it is time to plow ahead to the main event. Let's do it! Here comes my chat with Gina Hamady about the Babysitter's Club, the Sound of Music, and Adventures in Babysitting. Uh, so, the Babysitter's Club. Yes. I usually kick off by asking where you found whatever artist or artwork you want to talk about but I imagine it was like you were a kid I was a Um, kid um probably saw them lined up at the B Dalton mm -hmm. in my local mall the courtyard mall in Palos Verdes and you know read one got hooked and it was I I'm the perfect age you know I think I was eight or nine when they started coming out. So by the time I was 10, you know, I was voraciously consuming them as they as they came out. Do you remember if you like knew about them from school, from other kids? Or I mean, I, I guess they were like everywhere. They definitely were everywhere. I associate them with Sweet Valley High mm-hmm. in the sense that they were both, it was just, you couldn't be a girl nine or 10 years old in the late 80s and not know about mm-hmm. Babysitter's Club and Sweet Valley High. I don't remember the first time I cracked one. I don't remember, you know, I don't remember sort of my entry. I just remember starting and sort of never stopping. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there ended up being, I mean, I think probably by the time they stopped publishing, you had moved I just on looked this up. Books, but yeah, yeah. yes. <laughs> I think I moved on before they did. That's yeah. true. Um, but I was just reading an article with Anna Martin... And she mentioned, I think there's 131 books, not counting the specials and the whatevers, which I mm-hmm. love. I loved those specials, the like double, triple thick where they went on a cruise or went to Bermuda <laughs> or whatever. Um, so I would count those if I were her. But I guess not counting them, there's 131. And they and I, I sort of am like, is can that be possible? If you stacked them up, they would be 21. It was something like 21,000 miles high or something. Maybe she's stacking them up, not sort of the way you would normally stack books, but maybe, I don't know. Anyway. Or is that like the number of copies published? No. She said miles high if you stacked the, I don't know. So in any case, suffice it to say, I haven't done the math. I haven't checked any of that math. Just know there are, there are a lot of books you could read, you know, you sort of, I guess you could read them all because I just reread one for the first time in decades, the last couple days, and they are very short. So mm-hmm. like I, you could read them at a very fast clip if you wanted to. Did you have to, you didn't have to read them in order? It was like... No, that was the beauty. They sort of, I almost think she sort of cut and pasted 
the same page or two mm-hmm. in the beginning of every one. Like, so you really could pick up any and be like, oh, got it. Like these four girls, these are their basic personalities. Christy's the one that came up with the, you know, genius business idea for a babysitter's club. Do you know nothing? Can I tell you? I'm like, you know, Do you know I'm, what a, babysit- I'm, a, I'm aware of them. Uh-huh. And I've I You're just like from- a person in the world who like, <laughs> right. Yeah. But do you know what, like, do you know what the basic concept is? Like what their, what Christie's big idea was? That's the title of the very first book, Christie's big idea. Do you I, know like I mean, what I, the babysitter's club was? I do like from doing like a little re- research. research for yeah. this, but why for the listeners, for the why listeners. don't you? Uh, <laughs> okay. So it is a really good idea. I remember being like, how come every town doesn't have this? Um, so the idea is that these four girls and friends would get together once a week for an hour or two at a, at a specific location and time and place. And that's the time when all the parents would come, would call and book their babysitting for the week. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, you know, between the four of us, we'll have it covered. And they had, you know, a really, really specific sort of agenda book and every, you know, they were so organized and... You know, so it just felt like the entrepreneurial spirit was sort of like awakened for me where I was like, that is such a good idea. It's working for the parents. It's working for them. They can always have business, you know. So I I was sort of, I thrilled to that piece of it for sure right away. And I don't know if this is the same Mm -hmm. profile that you read, but I read one where somebody was saying to Anna Martin that she talked to people who tried to set up their own babysitting club. Oh, I didn't read that. And I was so curious. Actually, I think it was the, the journalist had tried to set mm-hmm. up her own babysitting oh. club and she said it hadn't worked. And um, Anna Martin said that was the case a lot of times and that it was like an idea that in real, you know, in practice in the real world um, was a lot of organizing for kids, but that she wanted it to be something that these girls were doing by themselves. It was all their idea, all of the rules that they made for themselves. It wasn't like adults were imposing these things on right, them. Right. And she wanted it to be that in in these books, it was a success. And that was like, even if other people tried and couldn't, you know, ha- figure out how to make that structure work in the real world, having that inspiration was the real goal. Just like so impressive. I just, so this one that I just reread, it was number eight, um, something about Stacy being boy crazy at the beach. I forget the exact title, but um, so Stacy's the like popular kind of one. She moved to Stony Brook, Connecticut, fictional Stony Brook, Connecticut from New York city. Mm-hmm. So she's sophisticated, well-dressed, fashionable, and hers were always fun to read because of all those things. Like it was just fun to be in her head. So they, they swapped um, perspectives, you know, mm-hmm. so whatever the person, whatever the babysitter's title was on the book, it was from her perspective. So you got to sort of be in Marianne's head. who was a shy one. Christie's who was the, you know, the leader, the bossy, although that word is sexist, some has sexist undertones, I think, but mm-hmm. in any case, you know, confident, a leader, Claudia, who was artsy and also popular. And then Stacy, who was like, very boy crazy. And anyway, um, I'm reminded as I reread this, you know, they were just so organized. They, so they went, the, the storyline goes, do you mind if I just explain yeah, what I just read? Please do. <laughs> so Stacy and Marianne are hired to accompany the Pikes, a family with eight children. Okay. Uh, so obviously they needed two quote unquote mother's helpers, which they did have this conversation about like, you know, they're helping the father too. Why couldn't it be called mother and father's helpers? Which I really did appreciate and felt was ahead of its time, that little note. But they accompany them to the beach for two weeks. And right away, you know, they're having a babysitter's club meeting before they leave. And Christy says, well, write us a postcard every day 
with, you know, any pertinent notes about these kids so we can add those notes to our book. So they're taking, you know, they're they're taking notes on the specific kids and what their fears are and how to help them and mm-hmm. like so impressive. Yeah. You know, and so helpful. And then of course when they get there, Stacy is falls in love with the lifeguard and she sort of leaves Marianne with the bulk of the work, which isn't cool. And even she starts to recognize that it isn't cool, but she doesn't really change her behavior because she's boy crazy Stacy. <laughs> um yeah, and I think, you know, I, I read a, a few different um, interviews with uh, Anna Martin, and mm-hmm. she was talking about how, um, you know, she went to Smith, she is a feminist, she said the books weren't, like, set out to be feminist books, but that they're coming from a feminist perspective, and it was really important to have, like, the entrepreneurial ship have all of the girls have different backgrounds, um, different personalities, and be well-rounded and fleshed out as a contrast to kind of Sweet Valley High, which was a lot more about like... A lot more bubblegum, a lot more... I mean, it was really fun too. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, a lot more... I would say if I revisited those, I wonder if it would feel feminist. I Mm -hmm. imagine it wouldn't, but you know, I'm reserving that until until I actually would go back and look. Yeah, yeah. Like I love the idea that she would set out wanting to provide an alternative to I mean and and again there's like there's nothing wrong with giving kids books that are pure escapism but I guess starting out from a point where saying you can still have escapism without having to say that all that girls care about is makeup or you know whatever um and still allowing for characters who are boy crazy Stacy because that's real too I really imagine that this was so influential in that time, because I did start babysitting really young because mm. of the books, straight <laughs> up. Like I was, I remember posting a little, like a little paper at my church saying, you know, I'll babysit and I got a couple, I got a couple assignments or whatever that way, clients. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it just gave me the confidence. And my parents also let me babysit my sister and brother really young. Like I think I was 10, 11 and they were like, yeah, you seem, you seem excited about this. That's great. Go for it. I mean, was that a a good decision? I don't know, but, um, (laughs) but I felt really confident and excited about babysitting really early, just direct, directly because of this. I don't think I would have thought about it. Yeah. Otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a pretty, common thing from people who read the books that it was like the concept of babysitting when you're little both sides of it it's like when you're really little getting to be around bigger kids is really cool right and when you're an older kid having responsibility and taking care of someone else right um you know even if it's It's just for a couple of hours right it's so attractive it's um you know, it just means you've made it, you know, that's growing up is so much about hitting those milestones. And I see it with my son right now, who's six, you know, he can't wait to, he just can't wait for everything to come. And it feels, you know, you're just rushing, you just can't wait to get there. And I remember feeling that way. And babysitting was definitely a marker like, oh, I've made it because somebody's trusting me to watch their own kids. I must not be a kid anymore. You know, if I am trusted with somebody else's kid. Right. Yeah. And they had all these really practical good ideas, like not only the one I mentioned about, you know, taking notes about each kid and sort of, you know, keeping keeping really good tabs on them like that. They, um, I remember they traveled with their own, I remember what it's called, and this wasn't even in this book, it was called a kid kit, <laughs> um, where they would come with their own toys, essentially, mm. and crayons or whatever, which is very true now that I have my own kids. I know that, you know, other people's toys 
and other people's stuff is like way more interesting than your own stuff, right. course, obviously. So it was like very good idea. Like you come with your own stuff and I mean, that's like an hour right there just exploring the stuff you brought. So it was practical. And, you know, the, the friendship stuff, she really had this nice light touch with like a, she really, I saw it with this book that I just reread where the two girls that go on this beach vacation, Stacy and Marianne are like not often matched. Like Stacy and Claudia, the two popular girls, they were the best friends and Christy and Marianne, they've been best friends since they were little. And the four of them were friends together, but that was sort of a strange pairing. Mm -hmm. And Stacy was talking about how being a little bit nervous about it. She'd never spent a lot of time with Marianne you know, Stacy was wearing this like little bikini and, you know, Marianne felt really intimidated by that. And those, those things were, they're just, they're very familiar to me as you are growing up, you know, somebody grows up a little faster, somebody is more into boys or uh, is ready to drink sooner than, than their best friend. And, um, you know, it was really had a, a, a real sort of, that, that was very real to me. And I, I am sure that that was helpful to me in that time to just get that perspective as I was going through some of that stuff, you know, that friendships were splitting up and getting back together. And I think in the very first book, Christy, um, you know, when she was forming this babysitter's club, she said something like, you know, that was one of the reasons she was doing it. Like I could feel my friends separating and this was like a way to keep us together. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was an interesting part. And I love to the, you know, Anna Martin talks about this in one of the interviews I just reread or read uh, the last couple days, you know, she was very mindful that each of these girls should be really specific and come from a different background and have a different family situation. But that was very helpful for me because uh, my parents were always fighting. They ended up divorcing. And I don't know, I didn't have very many that that wasn't very well talked about in books that I was reading mm-hmm. or in movies I was watching. I think there's a lot, obviously, a lot more of that now. Yeah. At the time, it wasn't I don't remember. I, rem- I I remember being really grateful for that mm-hmm. um, because I it was sort of new to yeah. me to like to to read that and you know the the issues that come up with it and and so that was that was sort of helpful for me. It was I so I actually wrote a thank you note to uh, the to Ann Martin um, and I had written in the note. I can read the note, but I had written some the the thing about the divorce and I was like, is it Stacy that had the divorced parents? Now I know after rereading it, after all these decades later, it was not Stacy. Mm. She moved from New York to Stony Brook, so I think in my mind I was like, oh, she must have moved with one of her parents. Mm-hmm. It was actually Dawn who moved from California. She was the divorced one, so she's the fifth friend that joins in. I'm not sure when, maybe mm. ninth, tenth, eleventh book or something. Anyway, so would you like to hear the thank I you? I would note? love to. Okay, so yes. I should probably back up and explain my thank you note yeah, project. Please, yeah. So I. In 2018, I went on this gratitude campaign to write a thank you note for every day of the year, and I themed my year by the month. So there was a month where I thanked neighbors, there was a month where I thanked friends, family, food, travel, career mentors, like every month had its own little theme. And I would find 30 or 31 people that fit the theme ostensibly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I actually a few weeks ago sold a book about it so i'm now writing a book about my year yay um yeah thank you <laughs> thank you for that um and one of my months was books and so i came up with um it was october so it would be 31 um authors and so i was so excited when i remembered anna martin and shot her a note okay you ready for it yep. dear miss martin Okay, the Babysitter's Club was everything to me when I was 9 and 10 years old. 
I'm nearly 40 now and I can still remember how excited I was when a new book arrived via mail because I ordered the books from those forums at the end of the book. These books were such a comfort to me. I loved reading about the solid friendship these girls had. I loved how smart they were and industrious. I related to Marianne's shyness, Claudia's artsiness, and Stacy's family situation. Her parents were divorced, I think. Okay, so that, I was wrong about that. <laughs> I always liked reading, but this series clinched it for me. Thank you for inventing this world and for writing these books. That's um, lovely. Yeah. Yeah, I just, they really did mean a lot to me. I, the forums that I mentioned in the, in the note, I, do you remember this? Do you, did you ever do this for any books? They like used to have a little order form at the end of the book and you could send in for the book. Yeah. So I would send the, like, I would count out my little change and put a, you know, $5 bill in whatever it was. And I would get the books the same day that my local B Dalton was getting the books. So it was like very exciting. Yeah. And, um, sort of like a precursor to Harry Potter, like, you know, just like, can't wait, give it to me, give it to me the moment I can read it. Right. And I actually just turned 40 a week ago and I found this time capsule that I made when I was 10 years old. So at this time that I'm talking about when I was 10 years old and reading this, I had a wonderful teacher. Her name was Mary Hall in Palsperdies. And she had us all make a time capsule for our birthday that year for when we turned 10 years old. Mm. And she said, you know, there were instructions on it and I had to sign it. And my mom had to sign it that, you know, she would keep it safe. And I wasn't to open it until I was 25 years old. So it was, I did that. I like didn't open it till I was 25. And I opened it that day. I remember I was working at Oprah Magazine and I opened it and then I saved it and didn't really open it or do much with it until I was just about to turn 40. And I was like, oh my God, it's 15 years after that. So like, let me revisit this little time capsule from when I was 10. And sure enough, one of those order forms was in it. Like it was just so precious to me, you know, yeah. that in a Contempo Casuals bag. <laughs> Um, <laughs> two staples. Yeah. It's like, yeah. basically I walked around my mall and just like collected whatever, anything paper and shoved it in there. Yeah. Anyway, these were like, these were friends to me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I was somebody who, I was a kid who like snuggled up in bed and I like literal, like the cliche, like under the covers with a flashlight and, you know, I just couldn't, I couldn't wait to read the next one. And I mean, I always loved reading, I, you know, I remember reading Little Women around this time, which I still adore and love. Mm-hmm. I think this was different in the sense that it these really felt like friends. Like I could just imagine walking into the room with them. You know, they mm-hmm. the writing is so, it's so simple, but it's just, I don't know. It just, you really feel their personalities and you really get to know them in this intimate way. And... I don't know, it was helpful to me. And they were, they were friends to me. And it, the entrepreneurial spirit was so attractive to me. And it was the first time I thought about it. Like, oh, I could, I could do this. I could make my own money. I could, I could be responsible for something. I could be a business owner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think introducing that idea. And like you said, these kind of adult concepts that were, you know, like divorce or even just Mm -hmm. moving to a new city. Mm -hmm. Or um, I know that there was some stuff about the I think there's one black character and that when she I mean this may have been in later books after you Mm -hmm. uh, stopped reading them but um, from what I read there's some stuff about her experiencing racism when she comes to the town so talking about issues that like kids would really have in their lives and either you know not everybody has divorced parents but they'll probably know somebody who does and just giving kids a chance to either relate to the feelings that the characters are feeling about that or think about what their friends might have been feeling when their parents got divorced or or whatever. And also, I think when you're talking about, you know, each 
girl having a distinct personality and showing the differences between people. Another thing, I'm going to keep coming back to these interviews that I've read, um, but the mm-hmm. uh, Anne and Martin interview, one of them, she was talking about that she doesn't watch TV very much, but she really loves the Big Bang Theory. Hmm. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Uh, but one of the things that she loved about it is that it was like, a woman who's never had a boyfriend, who's a nerd, but really successful in her career. There's another woman who's... Is that my embolic? Yeah, I think I think AKA so. AKA Blossom? Really, just yeah, to, I haven't... Just to kick it back to the... Movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and another woman who's really beautiful, but still like has a career, has a full life of her own and like her character isn't just about how pretty she is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another character who I think, I, I can't remember, I, I haven't really watched that show, so I don't know. But um, yeah, just saying that she loves that now it's more common for instead of just having these like thinly drawn sketches when it involves women or girls mm-hmm. in books and movies and other kinds of entertainment that, you know, it's not across well, the board, but like that there's a, been a move towards having full, fully realized characters. And that's women. so much of just about having a woman write those characters, right? Yeah, totally. I think that's sort of the key. Um, I think that's a pretty good overview of those books. Uh, on the theme of babysitting, mm-hmm. a film that you watched quite a bit as a child and I'm assuming into adulthood um, is The Sound of Music. Yes. So I watched that a lot as a kid, like a lot. I don't know why my parents let me do this, but I would often have like a Campbell's soup for dinner and just eat it while watching TV, while watching The Sound of Music like <laughs> again and again. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, all right. I mean, it was the 80s. Like things were things were out of control, you know, like every. People just did what they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, I'm just imagining, like, letting my son sit there with, like, a can of... Anyway, whatever. There's no judgment here. There's no judgment <laughs> here. Um, but yes, for a long time, I would sit and eat a cream of chicken Campbell soup and watch Sound of Music, like, every night for a long time. So I know every word. Um, Christopher Plummer was, like, very attractive to me at a very young age. Mm-hmm was like what's happening with this dad anyway (laughs) beside the point but always the point for me when it comes to talking about sound music um (laughs) so i mean julie andrews like can't can't do better than that but i yeah i don't it's i've been trying to think about like what is it about babysitters that are so appealing you know Mm -hmm. like you just i just like there ha- there has to be a through line between the Babysitter's Club and Sound of Music because they were both so, I cherish them both so, so dearly. I, I think it's that, you know, you don't, when you're a kid, you never think you're not going to be a kid. Like it just feels like this is an endless road and you will always live in this house and you will always be a child. Mm-hmm. And then someday... I don't know. That's how I thought about it. Like I would always be in this house and then someday like snap, I'd, I guess I'd be a mom and be doing stuff my mom would do. And somehow these were like these magical little middle ground, like the middle ground Mm -hmm. of like, you're not a mom, you're not a kid and you're responsible and people trust you. I don't know. It just felt like a, like, okay, like if I could just get there, maybe like that's something that I can imagine a little better than being a mom myself. Like that seems like alien, you know, it's like that middle step somehow. Yeah. And also just getting to experience a bit of that responsibility. Yeah. But at the same time, 
it's a lot of the fun stuff right. as well. But right. Like taking care of people temporarily, usually you want to distract kids by doing as much like engaging fun stuff as possible. And so you're getting, you know, you still have to make sure that they have food. You might have to change diapers, whatever. But right. um, I mean, listen, Marianne and Stacy, when they went to the beach in this book, I just read, they were playing miniature golf. They were, you know, getting sunburned on the beach. Like, yeah, they were having a, they were having a blast. Mm-hmm. They were like very psyched to be there. Um, yeah. So it just seems just, uh, yeah, I think that was part of the appeal that it was like, I, it was almost in arm's reach, you know, but yeah, sound of music. What can I say about sound of music? I, it is so soothing to me. After I got married, my husband and I went on our honeymoon to Bali. Um, lucky us. Very and nice. Yeah. Very nice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, we left the next day and I was so tired after the, you know, the wedding of course. And I was so out of my mind tired. I sat down on the plane and I saw that they had sound of music and I watched it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's just pure, it's pure comfort for me. It's just so, it's so lovely. And like, I just love it. I mean, when I think about the fact that she was going to be a nun, like there's a lot to unpack if you really Mm -hmm. go there. Um, Definitely as a kid, I wasn't thinking like, wait, why did she want to be a nun? And like, how did she so she just I don't know there's like there's a lot as an adult that I'm that I could unpack if I chose to but as a kid I just loved I loved that she was really scared to take on this huge family with seven kids you know who were such trouble at least in the beginning and you know didn't want her there and were putting frogs in her shirt or whatever and that she was really strong and clever and got them on her side and and just opened up herself to this adventure of being in this big wild family in this beautiful house with a lake and then like surprise she falls in love with the dad who like I was also in love with um (laughs) I don't know it's just so good yeah and it's funny that I guess thinking back on it for me too, you, when you're a kid, you're really able to focus on the parts of the story that you connect to. And so right. all the stuff with kids, obviously the songs, the dancing, right. like right. all of the stuff that's the really... nuns, the Nazis wasn't really on my mind. Right. Right. And it's kind of bookended with these like really heavy, right. you know, religious and, uh, right. War, like war yeah. themes. Right. Um, but I don't really remember. I, I mean, I guess I didn't really understand all of that stuff as well, but, I always thought that beginning part was fine, but that was the part I wanted to get through. I wanted to get to the part with the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so yeah. Yeah. When Did, she's like making clothes out of their curtains, you're like, who is this lady? She's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. When I was in Austria, I found the house. Wow. Yeah. Which like isn't marked or it's, it's just a house that people live in, but we were riding, a friend and I were riding around our bikes and we just kept asking people and they were like pointing us and pointing us until we got there and then mm. the people were having like a delightful little picnic in the back and they were sort of looking at us i'm like okay i need to not be creepy but i'm so happy that i'm here and seeing this and now i should probably go yeah yeah that's totally amazing um and another movie that deals more explicitly uh even in the title with the concept of babysitting was adventures in babysitting yes so uh, fun. I mean, that was, I think that came out when I was maybe in middle school, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I just, I mean, everybody wanted to be her, right? Um, Elizabeth Shue, like mm-hmm. she was so 
beautiful and capable and confident. And yeah, it's sort of a similar theme where she just, I mean, she had every obstacle thrown at her, you know, robbery, crime, violence. She's navigating the big city and all these problems. And she's just like, I am the babysitter. I will keep these kids safe. Looks so sexy doing it. Yeah, I just felt like, I think I was in middle school because I was like, okay, when I'm in high school, will I be like that? Is anybody like that? How do I, you know, it just felt like she was like the ideal high school person, like just high school student, just like head on her shoulders. That being said, she didn't want to go to college. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. She was arguing with her mother about that. She's like, I'm not going to college. So I sort of that's what I would sort of go back and edit or ask the writer, like, what was that about? Yeah. Like why she's like so smart. Why wouldn't she want to go to college? Anyway, the eighties, they were, they were, they were a wild time. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Like, let's not even get started on John Hughes movies and the, like the problems that those bring up. But um, anyway, yeah, I, it's a similar thing where they, it's just so appealing to watch capable, sexy babysitter come into the family and just, what adventures ensue um Mm -hmm. how she handles any problems and how capable she is that is a really fun movie have you seen that movie yeah i actually so fun in the last couple of years i watched it my husband is english i don't i don't don't know if it actually has anything to do with him being english i just think he has huge pop cultural gaps in his childhood sure um so i wanted to uh write that wrong and we watched it and i think it still holds up pretty well there's a lot there's some stuff that's like Everything that's scary is about Urban. people of color. Yes, yeah. yes, um, yes. And so yeah. that is a right. little like... Right. It's like they're suburban, mm-hmm. white, like northern Chicago, like those, you know, like the North Shore, like those suburbs. And they're like going to the scary city into like the scary subway. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah, people of color, gangs. Yes. So that is problematic. Yeah. But it's, um, it is also like the same thing with the John Hughes movies that I think you take from them what you can you know you have mm-hmm. these like really nice memories and then rewatching them you can be like ooh that that element of it is not great um but yeah uh, uh, overall watching adventures and babysitting again it wasn't like there have been some movies that I from my childhood that I really loved that I came back to and I was like oh that oh, is a bad no. movie yeah um but this like it was really fun really enjoyed it and um yeah it's exactly what you said like Elizabeth Shue I think is this idealized version of the babysitter that you would want to babysit for you, but also the babysitter that you would want Want to to become. Right. It's so fascinating getting that perspective change. I mean, now just watching any movie as a parent just changes it so drastically. Mm. I watched the little mermaid with my kids and I'm like, okay, King Triton is 100% right. Like he is 100% right. Mm -hmm. Like what is Ariel thinking? (laughs) She's going to like leave her friends and family for some guy she's never even talked to who's living on land. She's a mermaid. Like what is the matter? Um, But you know, there's so many things like that, that perspective change. You know, when I read to bring it back to babysitters club, when I reread that Stacy and Marianne go to the beach book and Stacy's, boy crazy. I just went to the beach for my 40th birthday last week with, there were three families, six kids, five kids. And like, we could have absolutely used a babysitter. So like half the time I'm like, oh my God, Mr. and Mrs. Pike are going to Atlantic City for the day. Like, (laughs) 
Stacy and Marianne are like putting sunscreen all over the kids. Like where were Stacy and Marianne last week? Like we got no sleep and had no rest because we were like tending to the children and making mac and cheese and running after them. So um, yeah, the perspective change is always interesting. Like what I'm talking about is our, you know, pieces of art that were so important to me when I was a kid and dying to get to that next level, like wanting to not be a kid anymore, you know, like wanting to um, be older and more responsible. And I was always way more responsible than, I don't know, than I, than I had any reason to be. Um, I was always, always seemed way older and I wanted to be older and I acted older. And it's interesting now looking back and thinking back on who I was then and that girl. And I don't know, I kind of wish she would kind of feel a little sad for her sometimes. Like, Mm. you know, like I was always yearning for that next step. Yeah. But it's like, it's still really interesting to be able to look back on those childhood experiences and the way that you related to these works of art and how they made you feel about like wanting to be grown up. And yeah, I mean, I think that's a a pretty common feeling for a lot of kids that it's like feeling like you want to be taken seriously. You want, you know, that aerial reference is a perfect example that it's like, I know what's best for me. I'm 13. Right, Um, Right. And yeah, I think having all those feelings and part of it's just like adolescence is really hard for everybody and right. figuring out who you are starting to assert your independence, but also still being a child. Right. Um, and looking back on those experiences as an adult and thinking like, Oh, if, if you knew what I know, um, you know, things might've been a little bit different. You could have a not necessarily easier time, but a different, uh, experience. I just wish I, you know, I, yeah, I, I just didn't know. I grew up in a beautiful place that was, you know, it, it's not, it wasn't urban. It was very suburban. And there were a lot of people in the same, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Almost all my friends were stay-at-home moms. God bless stay-at-home moms. There's nothing bad about it. It's just, I didn't have a lot of different role models. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of options that I saw for people that I could be, you know, I didn't see like a, a whole lot of different paths. Mm-hmm. So I think that little bit of, it was so exciting to me that these girls that were just a couple years older than me, you know, I was nine and 10 and these girls were like 12 and 13, mm-hmm. you know, that they were starting something and making money and, you know, starting a little business of their own. And I think it just gave me a taste for something that I really, I really didn't see, at least in in women um, mm-hmm. in my town. Yeah. Largely. And giving them each very distinct personalities and different interests and different, you know, perspectives on things kind of allows you to imagine that they would have gone on. I mean, there, there is like sort of fan fiction, uh, babysitters club fan fiction. That's oh, like, I need to really dive you know, into that. I would love to dive into that. But imagining what these girls would have um, become when they became women and oh saying, God. you know, this one would have been a scientist and this one would have been a journalist. And um, yeah, that having, having those uh, personality traits that kind of give you a flavor of maybe what they, what they would have been interested in and what they would have become that it's like good inspiration makes you feel like, you know, there are all different kinds of girls in the world. And yes. And I think almost all of us, I feel like we, my friends and I, we all sort of wanted to relate to somebody or tried to relate to one of them. Like, Oh, I'm a Claudia. I'm a Mary. But I think most of us, you know, because we're not archetypes, like we're humans, (laughs) um, you know, had a little bit of everything, right. It's like, Oh, I, sometimes I feel boy crazy like Stacy and, 
you know, sometimes I can be shy like Marianne and, you know, I love art just like Claudia does. And, you know, um, at any particular point you could, you sort of related to all of them in, in a way that was cool. Yeah. That's really nice. And now with this newly announced Netflix, you know, oh Alicia Silverstone You show. broke that news to me yes. and I'm so excited. Yeah. A whole new generation of industrious young people uh, forming babysitters clubs <laughs> across the country. Oh my God. With uh, Alicia Silverstone as the, as Christie's mom, yeah. um, you know, who of course she was very iconic in that, uh, in a little, in past that era, but you know, Clueless was so, I mean, we could have a whole other discussion about Clueless <laughs> yes. at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, great. I feel uh good i feel satisfied do you feel you, good you feel yeah. satisfied do Great. you feel uh, i feel good okay. i feel satisfied yeah. Yeah. wonderful yeah um so if people who are listening to this want to find out more about you about the uh project that you did yes. thanking people about yes. the book when it comes out yes follow me on instagram at thank you year um or gina underscore hamity um thank you year is my my gratitude project that I'm writing a book about and Gina underscore Hamity. You can see what my kids look like. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, thank you so much. This is really fun. Thank you so much. So I promised you a buttload of fun and I think we can all agree that I delivered. Thanks again to Gina for the utterly delightful chat. Please check out her work in particular, the thank you year project because it's awesome. Okay, recommendation time. I've talked about Julio Torres on this podcast before. He's the co-creator of Los Spookies on HBO, which is fucking genius and you should check that out too. But he's got a new comedy special also on HBO called My Favorite Shapes. And you should definitely watch that. He is a glorious weirdo. If you like bone-dry humor, he's your man. His comedy is the deadpanniest deadpan to ever deadpan. He's a real gem. And there's been a ton of terrible stuff happening in the world in the last week, the last month, the last couple of years. So it's nice to watch something funny and weird and amazing. So check it out. All right, my friends, that's it for another week. Please follow me on social media at SparkParade. And then like everything I post, even if you hate it, and comment with something like, oh my god, such an astute and thought-provoking observation. And also please rate and review the show. And by rate, I mean five stars. And by review, I mean something to the effect of, Adamons is a genius. Or, the Spark Parade is genius. Or, Adamons and the Spark Parade are genius. Okay? See, I've done most of the work for you. Anyway, thanks again for listening. I hope your week is just peachy. Until next time, bye! Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.